0: to line up for 30 minutes to get brunch like it just bothers me <laughs> I also don't camp like I'm not a camper I don't spend time outside we know what happens when I go into the wilderness so I try to keep my outside time <laughs> limited
1: whiskey whiskey the singer's getting sore we raise the roof now we're lower in the floor the band is blister but we got a little more when I say one two you say three four. One, two, three four. In-
2: Welcome to The Whiskey Topic, the weekly podcast that tends to get off topic. My name is Mark Bylock, I'm the author of The Whiskey Cabinet, and my co-host is Jamie Johnson, who runs a private but approachable bourbon club here in Toronto, Canada. You can also find our podcast on the website whiskey.buzz.
1: Welcome to episode 32
2: of The Whiskey Topic, and, well, today we're not drinking whiskey.
0: No, which is very weird. You must not be feeling well at all. This is the only reason I could think that you're not drinking whiskey.
2: Yeah, I mean I haven't had a drink in in like 3 days and I it's like a cat, you know, like a cat gets a cold, they they don't want to eat anymore cuz they can't smell the food. So they're just like <laughs> screw it, I'm not eating anymore. I'm just going to, you know, starve. Um I'm the same way with whiskey. I've got a cold and I I just I don't want to go anywhere near whiskey and I haven't like I did have wine last night Mm -hmm. um, during the uh, game three of the Blue Jay game so I could be uh, belligerent at the TV while watching sports because, you know, that's that's just a pastime of anybody that's like like sports. So I I needed to be belligerent at the umpires and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, But beyond that, no, I haven't had a drink at all.
0: Oh, my gosh. Well, it's kind of like when you have such a great whiskey collection and you can't taste it, what's the point? You're
2: like, nah, no I don't
0: feel great. Like, I'm not going to enjoy it. I'm not going to get anything out of it. I'm probably not even going to taste what I'm supposed to taste. So forget it. Just yeah. keep those bottles closed. If you need any help drinking that, some of that Elmer tea Lee, like I'm happy to come over and help. Like, if you're feeling like uh. your whiskey academy needs to be tended to, then I, I'm ha- I'll volunteer for
2: that. Well, the funny <laughs> part about that is Elmer's already looking looking a bit low.
0: What? <laughs> Who have you been sharing that with? Or have you been drinking it yourself?
2: I, I think I've had it myself because <gasps> you know we last we
0: can't not so,
2: though. Well, we, we opened a little bit for uh, Canadian Thanksgiving. Yes. When, whenever it was over, so I think I'm just going to go go and drink uh, Jim Beam Black Double Age. That that seems like a perfect drink for uh, this kind of cold. If
0: yeah, I was, <laughs> if you're going to break your whiskey fast and and dip the toe back in, like it seems like a good one because it's it tastes good, but it's like you have that giant bottle of it. It's like such a big bottle. So yeah, if, it, and like, it's,
2: if it, you're not worried too much about the no. nose, you're just like ah, whiskey. Whis- good, <laughs> <sweet."> <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. No, that's good. Well, I'm sorry that you're so sick. Blah.
2: Ew. Yeah. So we're we're gonna do a real real quick podcast today. Um, we're gonna end things off with um, Hemish from Artbeg. Uh, we did an interview with him a little while ago, actually, for the 200th anniversary, and uh, it was a really cool interview. We just never really fitted into show as uh, as we recorded it pretty early on. Uh, but we'll have a cut down version of that interview at the end of the podcast.
0: Yeah. And the fun thing about that is we did it at the Caledonian. So we are actually in a pub um, and, you know, with Ardbeg there. And so if you are hankering to drink some whiskey today, even though we're not, I, you know, I say go for it, get like a smoky peaty one and um, pretend you're at the pub with us with Hamish from Ardbeg. Yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. And you know what? That's the other part about me having a cold. I haven't reviewed a whiskey since. Oh, no. Because I can't. I've got nothing. It would be like the
0: worst whiskey review ever. It'd be like totally off. You'd be like, well, it was like bananas and green grass and (laughs) clouds. Clouds. (laughs) Tastes like burning sore throat. So probably fine. It's just fine. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, it would just not be impressive. And this is the, the whole thing is what I I'm, i think the cold's kinda coming off. But after that I gotta like make sure like I can still wait taste whiskey. So anyway, that said, um but we should we should move on. There's there's uh we didn't want to talk about a couple of things.
0: Let's not dwell on your health.
2: Let's not dwell on my health <laughs> or my belligerent fan being a blue Jay bandwagon jumper on. <laughs> uh. Um
0: so I guess we sort of uh we get some we got some quotes. From our friend uh, who listens to our podcast religiously. Thank you, Matt. Um, And uh, he listened to last week's. It's last week's, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Last week's episode. And he gave us some quotes to sort of think about. uh, Sort of in follow up to our conversation about, um, I guess, like labeling and and the marketing piece and the storytelling behind it. Um, And the one quote that he gave us that was that I thought was kind of cool is bourbon is a lot less about what's in the bottle and a lot more about what you tell people
2: yeah and that's uh Tom bullet from Bullitt. Uh, from the bullet brand <laughs> um, yeah and I get like this goes around to the whole uh judge calling labels basically yeah. just puffery it, it's puffery. and uh bullets uh, so Tom bullet's quote is great I think the very much <laughs> very much nails bullet as the whiskey and brand. It's something we enjoy. It's, it's a very enjoyable whiskey. Uh, but it's definitely the story. Um, it's the story. Yeah. yeah.
0: As as inflated as it could be, as, you know, um, wrong or like historically inaccurate as it could be, it's still about that story and about the way you tell it. So, I mean, we did a we did a tasting, Mark and I, last week um, for my bourbon club. And, um... I mean, we were talking about Evan Williams and and sort of giving the backstory there, and that's a highly disputed sort of historical facts, but, you know, you go and you sort of take a look through the internet and see what the, the folklore is, and then you sort of, um, you know, there's always people that will be like, actually, that's not exactly, and Evan Williams was not exactly the first person to do this, but... It makes for a good story, and people don't get too like bent out of shape about it.
2: You know, there's there's two ways to take this, and I I'm not, I don't take a negative view on this. I think you know it's you know we all love if you're listening to this podcast you probably love whiskey. We all love whiskey. We we love talking about it we love geeking out about it um and it's not a bad thing it's just an interesting thing and i think you know the whiskey world in some ways is moving beyond these stories they're moving beyond mm-hmm. the stories from the 17s 1800s early 1900s um they're moving up beyond this whole oh what happened to the prohibition era thing and i think i'm hopeful there it's the stories moving on to you know present day you know what's what's happening in the whiskey world today and you know i mean bullet is a great story about you know a lawyer that opened up that that started making well they didn't actually start making his own whiskey he procured whiskey under the bullet brand over it from his great great grandfather quote-unquote original recipe um um that wasn't and you know and really now there's going to be now there's a distillery being built uh, under that name uh so I, you know owned the, the 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 azure brand now owns the bullet brand um but yeah it's a really great story and it's it's certainly exciting like i i think personally i think that story to me is more exciting what happened Mm -hmm. to bullet and how it came um you know we've always talked about this kind of flavor forward whiskey whiskey that has an attitude has is more of a whiskey with character Uh, bullet does absolutely hit that mark and it became it was one of the early whiskeys to do so in the 80s and now it's a huge brand um so that's great i mean i think it's that story to me is fantastic
0: Yeah. And it's it's really interesting. I was actually looking through um, was it drinks magazine or something like that online. And it's so interesting. There's all these new brands that are coming out that don't. And we were talking about this a little bit last week as well, how they they're sort of um, what are the brands that are coming out and just saying, well, we want to make whiskey. And so we don't have to have this whole historical thing. We don't have to be, you know, frontier sort of style. We can we can just say like, hey, we're we just we just want to make good juice. Um, and so I was reading, and Motorhead, you know, the like the like hard rock band, Motorhead. Yes, like, they're like they came out with their own brand of whiskey, <laughs> no. and they're not the first. And they're not the first a band to to have their own brand of whiskey. And I think that's kind of a cool thing. Like, I mean, you know, of all the sort of um, genres of music, like rock and whiskey have this, you know, interesting relationship. And so, and, and the other band that did it, and I can't remember what band it is off the top of my head. I think it's an Irish band. And again, like the connection to to whiskey there. But hey, there's like a whole subgenre of whiskey that is just, like rock bands that want to <laughs> have like the most rock star sort of drink attached to their name it's cool there you go that just
2: makes perfect sense i mean that's <laughs> you know because you know uh there's, there's certain companies that can't brand whiskey like you know motorcycle companies you're, not gonna, you're never gonna have carly davidson whiskey it's right not gonna you happen. can't no um no no that's bad it's but, very bad. yeah rock bands why not rock why bands,
0: not motorhead and oh my gosh it's gonna bug me so much that I can't remember what the other band is that came out with their own brand. It's it's an I think it's an Irish band, but yeah. Uh, so there you go. And you know, I think that's. Well, I guess what's his face did it, uh, Mister Good Looking Soccer Player David Beckham. Didn't he have his own brand? <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, I, it's it was yeah. Higg. There you go. Um, Sub-genre it <laughs> uh, There. It wasn't quite his own brand. I think that oh, it was, okay. uh, he was owned by. It's it's yeah. It's it's a, it's a Diageo.
0: Oh, product okay, yeah. that
2: they got him as the spokesperson. Oh,
0: okay, I thought he was like he had a hand in it or something like that.
2: Oh, pretty much. I mean, I, I guess it's it's that was the one that um, it's the grain whiskey. So it's like single grain whiskey, which means it's basically a blended. It's more like bourbon than it is like scotch, but it has the name single in it, so it's a single malt. Anyway, it's very uh, it it's intended to kind of con Confuse the, which is actually a great, great fall on topic. It's, it's totally intended to confuse the uh, consumer, being oh, this is single grain. That is that better than single malt? I don't know, oh, right. but it's a single something. Single this is great, yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Um, meanwhile, the single means it comes from one distiller, which is great, and the grain just means hey, they've got a bunch of different grains That's in right. it, which is hilarious um, and not intuitive it is. at all.
0: No. No, no. And no, then, and then the other
2: one um, – and the, so this is all coming – the quote, the Tumblr quote is from uh, Fred Minnick's book, Bourbon Curious. And Fred Minnick has a good quote in there as well. He basically says, proof age and whiskey type are about the only things that you can trust on an American whiskey label. Bourbon labels rival political ads for the most bullshit per square inch. Damn.
0: <laughs> you know, as long as you know that going into it, then – and I think, again, we said this last week, is, is if you as a consumer – sort of under understand that that's what it is then like enjoy it why not who doesn't love a good story with their whiskey like i don't really care if you exaggerate your your drinking stories or your whatever when we're sitting around the table at a pub like if, if you get a laugh out of me like it's fine i'm not gonna like call you out on you know so i think it's just great i love it oh and it's the pogues that have their own irish whiskey now
2: I have no idea who that is <laughs> of
0: course you don 't of course you don
2: 't <laughs> of course not, um, and then also I got for the first time i 've got uh, Taylor barrel proof whiskey in my whiskey cabinet. I so happy you know that 's actually the last whiskey I had um, uh, new bourbon drinker uh, oh, at New bourbon yes. drinker on Twitter uh, also has a blog and um, he was in Toronto on a business trip, and we met up and he he uh, brought we, ex- we did a whiskey exchange and he brought up uh, uh, c e h Taylor. Barrel proof, and I gave him a sample of uh, Forty Creek, uh, the new uh, three grain, and also a sample of the old Evolution. I only had like a little bit left, but I gave him the, the oh, wow. sample of it rather. Nice. Um, yeah, that's it's a whole other topic we we should talk about one day is uh, whiskey exchanges and how yes. there's this whole sub sub-comm- sub community in in like every city the the bourbon fans instead of buying all these different whiskeys, they'll take you know, little vials, little vials and exchange whiskeys. Um, and, you know, they're not looking for one-to-one values. They're just like, here's something interesting. Here's something interesting to pass it along. Um, and so that's a great you know, yeah. great way to do this. And uh, New Drinker, uh, him and his wife listen to the podcast. So hello. Hi. Uh, they, um, he's very much involved in, uh, in his community trading whiskeys. Um, he told me a great story, actually, which uh, he said that when he goes to a store and he sees something rare, even if he, it's not something he wants to buy, mm-hmm. Uh, for his cabinet he'll just buy three or four of it and then he'll sell it and he'll just or he'll find it or he'll find ways to trade it so he'll Mm. um so you know if somebody has you know let's say barrel proof or they have you know uh cured oak for example taylor cured oak um he'll buy something and trade it with somebody that's cured oak and and the exchange is about even financially like you know Mm -hmm. they're all going to be overly inflated whiskeys at this point anyway they're super rare But at least that way you have something to trade with. Um, So, yeah, it's it's an interesting sub-community that does this. It's pretty exciting stuff. I mean, it's a good way to taste a bunch of different whiskeys.
0: I am super bummed that I missed New Bourbon Drinker Uh, and you guys going out for drinks. I'm bummed.
2: You went to bed early. You were invited. (laughs) (laughs) Where was
0: I that night? I went out somewhere. Yeah, you were doing I actually did go out.
2: You did, you did. We just by the time we met up, you already. I met. was
0: probably already home and in my pajamas. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that sounds about right. Um, but yeah, so you have E.H. or barrel proof. Yeah, great.
2: I'm so I, you know, and it's it was it tasted so friggin' delicious on Saturday, and I was like, this is great. And then I can't yeah. wait
0: to come over and drink yours. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't have that's to
0: right, bring my bottle is... over. Mine's getting pretty low. Yeah, it's getting i <laughs> oh, I'm getting to start weeping. Our whiskey collection has actually been dwindling, like hardcore dwindling. Um, and so Trent and I actually ended up finishing like three heels, um, oh, hell no. yeah, over the weekend because we we're like, oh my gosh, like uh, there is not enough left. Like we may as well just finish this. And and so we ended up like, fin- and so I'm just i devastated right now looking at the the whiskey cabinet that we have. It's not looking good. It's really
2: not. Got to go Got to come
0: over and pill for yours for a little while.
2: <laughs> I'm like, time to go shopping. Jamie's like, time to come over to Mark's place and pillage. I'm like, what? Yeah,
0: that's right. I'll just, like, <laughs> knock on the door. I'll be like, who's that? And I'll be like, it's me. I came for a little sample. Just going to take it and go home. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was feeling for some barrel proof right now. Yeah. I'm just
0: going yeah. to take this just home gonna, with me. I'll bring yeah, it back. Have, I'll bring it back. Just a little pour. Promise. Yeah. So oh. things are a little dire over here, but... Um, that's okay. It's, you know, sometimes the whiskey collection goes a little low and sometimes it's, there's a lot. So there you go. It's fine. Well,
2: I, I was, I uh, have in the works, uh, an article about, Hey, if you can't get Buffalo Trace antique collection, kind of what's, what's the kind of next level of like, not that available, mm-hmm. but somewhat available. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. um, you got the barrel proof from Taylor, which is your kind of mm-hmm. stag equivalent of high proof. I know they're stag junior, mm-hmm. but. I, I like Taylor better. I just do. I just mm-hmm. I just like it better. Um I think it's it's high proof, but it's also got a lot more uh, flavor to it by comparison. Um and then uh I was thinking Weller 12 cuz you know mm-hmm. that's hard to get. It's a weeded bourbon. That makes sense. Um
0: Some of those Blanton's uh Gold or like some of those sort of Yeah. The upper levels of Blanton's that you can't get a handle on. There's a, there's a
2: cast strength Blanton's, isn't
0: there? There is. I I'm not sure. We should find uh, out. We should know. We should look
2: at that because I mean, Elmer T Lee would be on that list, right? Because it's oh, also yeah. kind of rare, but you can get it. Um, yeah, and and what's um, I guess what's a good one that's high that's lower proof, kind of like an Eagle Rare Seventeen. I mean, Eagle Ten is the obvious yeah. comparison, but if we were just going to mm-hmm. take this a step further and not do Eagle Ten, um, um, kind of like a forty, you know, like a ninety proof, okier drink. I guess that would be. Blattens, really. Yeah. I mean, it's not the same mesh bill, but it's Yeah.
0: but it's yeah. kind of
2: a close flavor profile.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Are you thinking only Buffalo Trace products? Like
2: no. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I I think that would keep keep with it cuz I mean, there's also not you know, like you can't really the Jim Beam, for example, doesn't really have a lot. I mean, the Jim Beam doesn't really have those big special releases right. in the same way. Um and same with, I mean, I guess Heaven Hill's a little different. They, they've they released the um, uh, Elijah Craig, uh, you know, the 18 and the 23. Yeah. They have those. Um, so that, you know, those would be a good ones to put on the list as well. If we were going to go outside Buffalo Trace Distillery. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, interesting brain. It's an interesting kind of thinking work. I'm like, hmm, yeah, oh, similar. Yeah,
0: exactly. What, no, that's what's the next funny. stage of
2: unavailability? That's
0: right. Well, I mean, and speaking of unavailable, uh, so I saw that Pappy has run into the same trouble that um, what was it? Stag. There was yeah. so okay. So is this? So the last time there was like a Pappy controversy was because there was a lot of things that were stolen. Um, A lot of bottles that were stolen or or crates that were stolen. I can't remember how how much, but there was actually an arrest made. So all of us that were slightly like, "Mm, are we sure? Like, I think they, like, found the people that did it. Um, But now the story is that there was excessive evaporation and there's less. There's less. So What do we think about this? Do we think this is, like... A line again? Like what? Are, what's happening over there at Buffalo Trace? What kind of weather are they having in their in their spot that there's this excessive evaporation?
2: Yeah, it is weird, isn't it? Because really, what kicked off the the pappy? There's there's two things. I mean, it was kind of like a perfect storm of of events that kicked off pappy. There was first of all, it became more popular in the news uh, even before you know a lot of people. Uh, lay, lay Credit to Anthony Bourdain for. Um, being a big fan of Pappy in, like, the 2011 time frame. Then we had the big hijack where a whole truck got That's hijacked a- and Pappy was stolen. Um, and so you knew that year, screw it, there's going to be no supply. Yep. Um, and ever since then, it's been really tough to get. And now, um, same with Stag, as you mentioned. The barrels that they've allocated for this year's Pappy, um, they've – Either they've evaporation has been higher, and then some of the barrels, the quality simply wasn't as good. They they didn't uh, it didn't meet with approval for what they uh, mm. for the taste of pappy. And so, um, you know, like fifteen is okay, but the, you know, I guess the twenty twenty three, they were saying we're looking at like half the supplies that we had oh. by comparison to last year. Wow, uh, fascinating, really and
0: fascinating, really I mean, interesting.
2: It, it's gonna and the other part of this is in the press release they made very clear that you know that the recommended resale price and their price to distributors hasn't changed at all um, that or has barely changed and so you know when you go in and you get your Pappy 20 and you're gonna pay 500 actually I guess it's more like a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars for that Pappy 20 or 23 um, you know they're very much saying this is a distributor thing you know this we we're not selling it for any more distributor so um, and that is true but there's there's a bit of a side story here too right because not every distributor gets Pappy right the distributors that get Pappy are the ones that sell a lot of other Sazerac products, including right. vodkas and other things. So to get the perk of having Pappy or Buffalo Trace Antique Collection, you need to make sure, you need to be pushing a lot of Sazerac, uh, Sazerac
0: products, portfolio right. products.
2: Yeah. Um, vodkas, flavored whiskeys, and Buffalo Trace and, and, and other products as well. Um, so the reward to these distributors is like, here's some Pappy. Well, now there's going to be half as much. This is why I don't think I don't think it's um, I don't think it's a gimmick. I think this is they're honestly right. just saying, "Hey, distributors, you're not going to get very much this year. It's it's even worse." Um, but the price point on these on the aftermarket is going to be huge.
0: Well, it's I mean it's already sort of kind of ridiculous. Like it's 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 out of control. It it, it is beyond beyond what i can't I cannot wrap my head around a thousand dollars for it like I get it i get I get whiskey is a lecture like I get it, but this is we're talking about like a yearly release we're not talking about a bottle that comes out once every fifteen years like this is a yearly release, and like it's a lot of money i get, i mean I guess if I had an extra thousand dollars laying around like maybe I would consider it too, but it's just cause such a kerfuffle. My goodness. People go nuts. People are going nuts. This is next level whiskey nuts. Like, who are these people that are having these bottles and can I have some? I don't want to pay for it. I just want you to share it with me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, you're right. It, it, it's, it's ridiculous. I, but, I mean, there are people with money. And I guess that's what it comes down yeah. to. There, there are people with money willing to pay the money. And um, that's one of those, hey, this is what the market will bear. It's an identifiable product with limited quantities. Yeah. Um, it is an annual release, and every year it 's a new exciting adventure to see whether or not you 'll get know. it
0: oh, <laughs> it is an adventure it is like it 's like yeah what 's next year 's story going to be? Is it maybe this is just well i mean I know we just sort of like talked it out, and it 's probably not a gimmick, and all this stuff is probably not a gimmick, but it certainly does like appeal to the storyteller in like the whiskey world, and it appeals to people because there is some drama and excitement around it and you know it's it just sort of goes along with everything that we were you know talking about. People love to tell whiskey stories, so what better way than you got your bottle of fifteen hundred dollar pappy twenty three and get to tell your friends how oh, there wasn't that much because the evaporation <laughs> and then like and you know it's a it's a to toot your own horn a little bit.
2: Well, would you wait in line up? would you wait like two or three days in a lineup for like let's say it's a reason let's say there you can get Pappy twenty for like a few hundred dollars and not thousands of dollars would you which is the case in some places right then in some places they they sell it a little bit more, but the whole idea is people line up two or three days ahead of time
0: I don't like would to line up for thirty minutes to get brunch like it just bothers me. <laughs> I also don't camp like i'm not a camper I don't spend time outside. We know what happens when I go into the wilderness, so I try to keep my outside time limited <laughs> <laughs> um, so n- yeah, probably not. I probably I- wouldn't spend three days in a line because I like to be inside i'm a I'm a creature of comfort and coziness, and it just sounds like a lot it sounds like a lot of effort it not maybe if there was something I don't know what though I just don't know what I don't know if my commitment is that strong Mark I don't know if I can (laughs) I don't know if my commitment and my need to have this bottle in my cabinet I'd be happy to have a drink of it at a restaurant sometime or you know maybe doing a tasting or hope that somebody gives me a little sample of it in this whiskey sampling community that we've got going but I just don't know if my my collection will is strong enough to put me outside for three days. I'm a wimp. I'm like a total, total wimp. Would you wait I, outside for th- three
2: days? I, no, no, I I I wouldn't. I I there's no way. I, I <laughs> there's just no way. I I agree. It's 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 well. First of all, it's Canada, so it's cold. It's but even if it was like in a warm country, I think the longest thing I've I've waited for a Franklin's barbecue in Austin, and that was about a four or five hour wait. And that was fun because it was more of like um you know, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a party. It was yeah, a 6 a.m. party. Yeah. We had fun in the lineup and that was good. Um, but outside of that, I don't think, you know, I mean, I guess I waited for the first iPhone that came to Canada for like two hours.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. No, I, no. Once yeah. I,
0: I waited for the Backstreet Boys outside their hotel for like an hour. That's <laughs> even then. That's only an hour. That's not very long. Yeah, I waited no. for boy bands. I waited for t- like when I was a teenager. I used to wait in line for tickets, like like at three o'clock in the morning, and tickets would go on sale at like seven o'clock. So I wait outside Ticketmaster. But yeah, that was about it. That's the only time I wait in line to meet boy bands. That's it.
2: <laughs> well, we're, we're spoiled today. I mean, we basically hit refresh on our browser and buy tickets. Yes. Like we don't wait to wait for stuff anymore. We don't. Um, and it, it is pretty old school, though. I think I have a lot of respect for that. It's, it is pretty old school to just wait in line for days and and just to get that product. And I think that's very cool and very old. School. Oh yeah, it's not something I I'd, I'd want to do. Um, but yeah, we should. Um, you know, we, we should we should end the podcast with yes <laughs> a story of. Uh-oh. Of so you've been attacked. We've, we've oh, covered no. before on early episodes. You went, you went to the, you went to nature. Nature came to you <laughs> as well, um and you were attacked by a bird.
0: <laughs> it flew it started... in the kitchen. Yeah, it just flew and that, right on in.
2: And that's a true story. Like this is your, this is hundred percent happened. um yeah. it's quite, it's <laughs> more believable than the, the, the most
0: recent story. The most recent story. I have photographic yeah. evidence of the most recent story. <laughs> could be a cartoon like I could just get someone to draw it and be like this is what happened I think my dad's writing a children's book called the princess and the toilet squirrel he's like I've almost got the book finished and I was like is he because that would be something that my dad's retired he would totally do he'd be like I'm gonna make a children's book so I guess I should back up a little bit
2: yeah please do
0: and we're gonna we're gonna (laughs) this a 100% happened so I was at a cottage in nature, which is against all of my better judgment, and I was having a great time until about 2 o'clock in the morning when there's, like, weird splashing noises happening, and, like, I don't know anything. I live in an apartment in downtown Toronto, so I was like, maybe there's some sort of, like, water system out here that makes these weird noises anyways it was kind of weird and it just kept going on and it would come in these like weird spurts of like splashing and then stopping and splashing so i was like okay trent my husband i was like what is that can you explain that noise like you need to figure out what's going on i'm in bed i'm, I'm exhausted so he like ventures out and then he comes back into the bedroom and he's like there's a rodent in the toilet and i was like <laughs> what what are you talking about? What do you mean rodent in the toilet? He's like, there's a rodent in the toilet. I was like, what kind of rodent? A mouse? A rat? And he's like, I don't know. It doesn't look like either of those. And so like, sure enough, I was like, I go in and I lift up the lid and I was like, oh my God, it's a, it's a squirrel. It was a, it looked like a chipmunk, but it was like the size of a chipmunk, but, but it was a squirrel because it had this tail. And so basically, yeah, so <laughs> Trent started pacing around and like Fretting about how to get it out. I was, like, having visions of this bird attack. Then the bird came in. I was like, this is going to (laughs) take us two hours to get out. I'm so tired. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. Let's just get this thing out of here. So, of course, in my haste, I just, like, put on some dish gloves. And I thought I could grab the the squirrel close enough to the head, which I did, that he wouldn't be able to turn around and bite me. It did not account for how slippery he would be because he's wet. And he squirmed and he squirmed out of my hand and bit me, of course, because that's what he did. And he was frightened because I was a big bad monster. And although I saved his life because he didn't drown, and (laughs) didn't care, didn't didn't care, care. just like whatever. So the little asshole bit me, and uh, well, then I, I mean, what does a city person do? Like I was like, what do you do when you get bitten? And he broke the skin, so (sighs) I was, I know. So I was like, oh my god, this sucks. So I was like, I guess you have to go get a rabies shot. Anyways, <laughs> drove to the hospital at 3 o'clock in the morning. Nobody, like, honestly, it was like a small town. Like, nobody, was, like, the lights were out and emerged. And we had to ring the doorbell for the nurses to, like, let us in. There was two nurses and one doctor. Anyways, long story short, squirrels are very, very low on the, um, the rabies scale. So I didn't have to get a rabies shot. Um, it didn't get infected. And um, I remain a friend of the squirrels. Anyways, but well, we found the stupid squirrel who had escaped from the bathroom the next night. And he was just up on, like, um, the sill, And, like, he, like, flew down because he was a flying squirrel, which we figured out later.
2: Super I had no idea we had those in Toronto. St- in Ontario, they're even. super
0: <laughs> cute. Tiny little things. And uh, we just, like, opened the door and he, like, walked right out. Like, nothing had ever happened. And I was like, well... That was interesting.
2: So basically, it just flew down from a windowsill. Yeah. <laughs> at the door, you open the door, and it just walked, walked out. Walked right out. Just like
0: he'd been waiting for us to open the door for him for weeks. Like, he, he, he just knew right, right where to go. Anyway. Well, I, I
2: think he had—I think he had a moment of reflection. He maybe like reflected upon his trauma, you know, after biting you, and he's like, I don't know, maybe, maybe that two two leggeder was trying to help me all along. I mean, and then maybe he reflected and he was like, ah, oh, let's let's give this, you know, let's give this a try. Maybe they'll just open a door for me, and and they did. So we
0: certainly did let him out. He was—I felt bad. I mean, I really scared the hell out of him, but he bit me. What? Yeah, he totally he got he got me good too. Like it was an, it was oh a, it was bruised it, it bruised was br- a
2: giant bruise with two little fang marks. <laughs> like that's what it was. It was like it two was. little puncture fang marks and, and a big bruise. It
0: was. And so I um I've learned not to go back outside. So yeah. <laughs> never, so that's so the moral of the story. The Moral just, of the story is don't I should not be in nature. It's just avoid nature. I just avoid it. Just stay in the concrete jungle here and just you know don't get bit. I know, you know not to next. touch mice and rats, but I was like, oh, it's a forest creature. Like, I'm sure it's just like the, the Disney movies. And he will just <laughs> jump into my hand and I will let him go and he'll come back tomorrow and fix me breakfast.
2: Hope you guys enjoyed today's uh, episode. So like I said, like we mentioned before, uh, we're going to have Hamish uh, talk about Ardbeg, a little bit of history. And he has a really funny story in there about how they messed up making a whiskey and actually took two single malts and created a $300,000 disaster. Um, so it'll be a lot of fun. I think that was 300,000 pounds. Anyway, you'll hear in the interview.
0: Yeah, enjoy Hamish. We did.
1: So, yeah, I'm Hamish Torrey. I've worked for Ardbeg, uh for about 16 years now. And uh, I joined in 1999 when the distillery was just getting going. Mm-hmm. And if you remember back that time, uh, my company, the Glenmorangie company, bought our bag when it had been closed for many years. So um, the previous owners had used it principally for blending Scotch. So our bag was made as a constituent of to go into big blends like Ballantines and mm-hmm. Teachers and and also Johnny Walker as well. So it, it had never been marketed as a single malt whisky uh, before, but it had a fantastic reputation in the world of whisky, and uh, that's why my company bought it, because they could see an opportunity with the, 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 the rise of the peaty smoky whiskies like Laphroaig and Lagavillen. Yeah, And, of course, beg is on the south coast of Isla just to, just along from um, like Lagavulin, you get to the end of the road, as we say. <laughs> <laughs> the end of the most famous road in whiskey. In yes. India. And then, there's <laughs> our bag. <laughs> there. And there are all three distilleries on those, uh, the rocky coast and it's incredible. Have you been there? You, no, I've never been. I've been to Scotland but uh, I don't make it it's far. wonderful. It's wonderful. It's, yeah. It's the fantastic. photos look amazing. It like is. Just having it that is. distillery and the yeah, ocean. Yeah. Oh. You've got the ocean, you got the distillery, you've got a lot of wind, you've got a lot of rain, you've got a lot of weather, you've got a lot of the elements. Yeah. And, um, and these distilleries have grown out of, you know, the, in ancient times, they were just simple farm distilleries. And it was a byproduct of, obviously, the harvest of barley. They would keep some back to make, to make whiskey for the winter. Yeah. But uh, most distilleries got legally established around the beginning of the 1800s. And Arbeg was established in 1815. And uh, the McDougall family who, who started it. And, um, and uh, it's been going on and off ever since. And actually, our bag's had a rather rocky history. It's been opened and closed, and yeah. you know the ebb and flow of of demand in the world of whiskey has gone up and down over the centuries. Um, but there's a chap called Alfred Barnard who's a, who wrote a book in 1886 called The Whiskey Distilleries of Scotland, mm-hmm. and he, he describes going to our bag and, and he describes it as one of the biggest distilleries on the island, and uh, very famous for its pt pt as the peatiest whiskey yeah. of, of, of all the islands. So we've actually held to that tradition. So our bag today is the peatiest of all the island whiskies. And by peatiness, I mean it's called PPM, parts per million phenol. Um, and um, our bag, we measure our bag's peating level at about 55 parts per million. Huh. And the other distilleries on the island are 40, 35, 20. Um, so we are the we are popularly known as the, the, the peatiest of all the Island whiskies. But the key thing about our bag is it's got a fantastic balance in the, in the flavor profile. And um, the, um, the peatiness and the smokiness is balanced by a lovely fruity floral complexity. And we think that we get that from, um, from the still, the spirit still. Uh-huh. The top of the spirit still, there's a, the line arm where you, the vapors come up and go over down to be collected. And on the Ardbeg line arm, there's a little pot, like a, it's called a purifier. Mm-hmm. And what happens is that the, the spirit, the vapours come up, and the heavier ones drop into this purifier and go round again, and only the lighter ones get over. And that's what we think gives Ardbeg its this balance of sweetness and floral, floral complexity. We've been we've been building up Ardbeg stocks ever since we arrived in nineteen ninety seven, and as I said, the distillery was closed between nineteen eighty one and eighty nine. So there was a huge gap in the, in the in years there was nothing. And in fact, the distillery might have died if we hadn't arrived. Um, and we, we bought the distillery for about £7 million, of which £6 million of that was whiskey stock. Yeah. So basically we got the distillery for under a million.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and, and, and got going. We spent a lot of money in the process, new mash ton, yeah. um, and, um, and gradually have been doing things ever since. So what we call the Renaissance of our bag has taken the last 18 years, and yeah. we would still, still say it's a work in progress uh-huh. um, and um, what we've done right from the start, and if you, lo- if you like it, we, we, it was a first base because our bag we didn't inherit any our bag sales or, or you know way of doing things. Yeah. We knew we wanted to make our bag in the same house style that had already been made for, for centuries built its reputation up. Um, so we carried on that and we've been working on it, improving it ever since. And one of the key things about whiskey is is you can, you can um, innovate at the beginning of the process, barley type, mm-hmm. smoking level, etc. Or we can innovate at the end of the process uh, through maturation in different types of barrel. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Bill Lums and our whiskey, um, head of whiskey uh, distillation he would say that about 60 percent of the flavor of a whiskey comes from the cask type mm-hmm. so the type of barrel you use is very important and um, and uh, so we we're very careful of the type of barrels we use mostly it's ex-bourbon barrels from the united states um, and um, that imparts a sort of lovely creamy vanilla flavor to the whiskey um, we use those barrels twice and um, if you use them twice the first time round you get this lovely Second time you get a lovely spice, extra spices. When you taste our bag, you get smoke, you get peat, you get tarry rope, smoked fish, all that lovely sort of seaweedy, briny flavours. But you also get um, lovely spices like nutmeg and almonds, cinnamon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a sort of lemony zest also to our bag too, which is which is really 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 interesting. So you've got this big whisky, which. Sort of sweetly thwacks you, <laughs> um, and um, and it uh, uh, and it uh, is 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 just a fantastic dram. The other thing we've done with our bag and always have held to this is that almost all our whiskies are non-chill filtered, mm-hmm. and non-chill filtration um, is where you keep the fatty lipids in the whisky, and um, and that gives you texture and mouthfeel so we take a dram of our bag it carries on it it envelops your whole the whole experience is envelops you and um very very long finish so you know i mean our bag is very much a you know you're sipping whiskey you can just enjoy it and it's so intense and so complex in the flavors you just carry on you don't need much Mm -hmm. and as i say to lots of people that you know, the next morning when you're washing your teeth, you're still tasting heartburn. <laughs> 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 so, so it's a it's a, it's, a, it's a it's a fascinating um, whiskey and because we didn't have much stock at the beginning with our Renaissance and starting in '97, mm-hmm. the youngest whiskey we brought out back then was a 17 years old. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, it closed between '81 and '89, they'd opened the distillery in 1990 and had done quite a lot of distillation then. Um, and that was that 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 was the nearest whiskey we had, but it still you know at seven years old wasn't enough, so we went back to 1980 and introduced a 17-year-old Obig, which in the world of whiskey geekdom is one of the most apocryphal bottlings ever. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's none of that left. Yeah. <laughs> Not even the opposite. And, 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 <laughs> and, I, and I, to this day, I kick myself that I haven't collect, haven't kept more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm a terrible man for opening bottles and drinking <laughs> with friends. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, so we we've introduced some at the beginning we had some um, 17 years old and some vintages mm-hmm. we had a 1975 and a 1978 bag, and my very first bottling <laughs> it was great fun we did a we took a 1976 sherry cask from the warehouse and we hand bottled it at the <laughs> distillery. Oh. and That's um, awesome. and it was great fun i mean you know <laughs> Straight out of the oh. yeah. get the pipe going, <laughs> oh, and through a very simple filter, and um, <clears throat> we bottled and labelled it on Islay, <clears throat> and there were four hundred ninety-seven bottles, and uh, I presented bottle number one to the then owner of the distillery, David Macdonald, and I bought four nine seven out of four nine seven for myself. And that's one of the few bottles I've kept. So yeah. I'm either going to drink it to celebrate something fantastic or I'll pass it to my son. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but one of thing. the key things about Arbeg, because it's, it's such a niche, whiskey with a cult following, you know, the prices of Arbeg are phenomenal. Mm. You know, the, the collecting element of Arbeg is, mm. is, is very exciting. Yeah. And, um, and that, that's part of the fun too for our fans. And in the year 2000, we started this fan club called the Arbeg Committee. And <clears throat> their mission was to make sure the doors of Arbeg never close again. So help us, you know, keep this wonderful distillery going. So that was very successful. And we gave them first dibs on some of the new expressions that were coming out. Yeah. So we had this idea of, uh, of a dis- committee distillery, uh, committee Arbeg committee bottling, which would be the prequel to the main release. Yeah. So we did that with Arbeg Cory in 2008, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, we did it with um, um, Supernova, uh-huh. which was our um, our intensely peated our uh, bag. Yeah, that was one which was you know if our normal our bag is fifty five parts per million, Supernova was an explosion of flavour at well over a hundred parts per million.
2: Uh-huh. Very fine flavours of Supernova. Yeah. I was in Scotland, I think in two thousand nine or two thousand ten. Yeah, I can't that's remember. right. That's the uh, first one we brought yeah, out then. And I. Like had it and make sure to brought, a bottle it yeah. and brought it home yeah. and, and that was so sad it lasted so much I, know, I know, I know.
1: And we the first one was a committee bottling and we sold the first two and a half thousand bottles in in I think something like about an hour and a half. Yeah. On our distillery website. Wow. And then um and then we introduced the main expression and that sold out like hotcakes. We introduced one in 2010 called our big supernova, and then basically. we'd sort of run out so we had to wait for another few years before we introduced the next one so we introduced one in 2014 um, and that sort of started to link into our other story which is about Arbeg in space Mm -hmm. and we were very lucky in 2011 to be approached by a space research company in Texas who were doing um, food and flavouring experiments up at the International Space Station and this is the cool thing about Arbeg you know you the fan club help you so yeah. one of them was a real rbeg fan he said if you're going to do a space experience with food and drink gotta try rbeg uh-huh. that's awesome so we got a call in august 2011 mm-hmm. and um and we rushed around and got some sp- new spirit straight from the still and some shards of wood and from for the uh, from the barrels mm-hmm. and we sent that off to 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 texas and they basically have a have a system they've got a thing called a mix stick hmm and on one side, is with a separator in the middle. So they filled the new spirit into one side and put the oak shards on the other. Mm-hmm. And the separator kept them separate until the experiment started. Mm-hmm. The experiment went up to the International Space Station in October 2011. Soyuz rocket from Kazakhstan. It was the Russians do all the payload stuff. I know, the Russians are doing everything now. They do all the payload stuff. Yeah. For <laughs> right. And... Um, and uh, up it went, and they started the experiment in Jan 2012, and it continued right through to to 2014. So it's about two two and a half years mm-hmm. in, in up there. And they, when they started the experiment, they broke the separator so the two things could come together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we had the same mix sticks in warehouse number yeah. three uh, and yeah. at our bag so mm-hmm. we could do like a controlled yeah. experiment. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. the whi- the whiskey's back. There's a lovely display around the corner there, oh. um, yeah. and um, <clears throat> that. Um, Bill Lumpson, our whiskey uh, creation scientist, is writing up the results as we speak. Nice. So that yeah. will be hopefully published in September this year. Wow, okay. That's interesting. So there's no pressure on Bill. He's got the no, world scientists waiting yeah. for him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, But that was a great, great fun uh, way of of basically for us to say that our bag was out of this world. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Literally. And it's a lovely extra story. And we always like to think our bag's are big and untamed whiskey. So if you're big and untamed, space is obviously the, yeah. the place to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, and of course it sort of sets us apart from, from everybody else. So and what we've always tried to do with our bag is tell 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 our own story in as fun and as uh, as inviting way as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and another example of that would be that, you know, the ultimate big and untamed for me was um a good example was our um, bag alligator, where we um, we uh, matured some our in in very heavily charred um, bourbon casks. Mm-hmm. So in in bourbon land in America, they mm-hmm. call a heavy char on the inside of the barrel they call it an alligator char. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we we introduced our beg alligator matured in these barrels, and there's there's always a whiskey truth. So Supernova is a peat explosion alligator was all about the smoky bacon barbecue flavour that you get in our bag mm-hmm. and the alligator charred matured whiskey accentuated that yeah. so, so it's, it's not just fun and gimmicks there is a truth behind yeah. what we're doing yeah, your naming is fascinating. It's always mm-hmm. tough finding like a lot of the. Yeah.
2: this I've never had alligator, for example. that's yeah, It's a, yeah. one that I've been definitely wanting to yeah, try. Yeah. Um But yeah, because your naming always has some sort of historical. Absolutely, the, the, but
1: this a slightly. It's sort a of thinking name, though. You it's don't a know thinking right name. Yeah.
2: Anything.
0: And it's fun, which and I find yeah. that there's always this push and pull between yeah. sort of traditional yeah. and trying yeah. to yeah. contemporize, and yeah. and it keeps things a little more light yeah. and, and fun and exciting. Well, my,
1: my, my, my thing is when people ask me that, I, I keep saying, look, like, our bags are serious whiskey, mm-hmm. but we don't take ourselves too seriously. And it's that balance of mm-hmm. of serious intent, but let's have some fun along the way, mm-hmm. and tell the story in as inviting, engaging, as possible way as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for instance... Um, we had a limited bottling to celebrate ten years of the Ardbeg committee, and that was called roller coaster <laughs> because literally the distilleries had so many ups and downs in its life, and the roller coaster also described the proportion of whiskies from different years that was in the in the in the um, bottle, so it was like a sort of a bar chart with you know so it went up and down like a roller coaster
2: yeah i like I like that i I've seen that um like I, I like that a lot. You guys did that. that yeah. was, uh, I wish that became like a standard in the, yes. in the, in yes. in the community. Just overall, right? Because your RBC ten doesn't just have ten. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it would be nice to have that standard where you say, "Hey, you know, this yeah. is like ten year old, and this is eleven year old." Yeah, yeah, percent- It'd be wonderfully displayed. Like wonderfully displayed. Absolutely. where the consumer understands what Absolutely. that means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we
1: we we did another story like that, but just talking about the the effect of maturity on 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 whiskey. In about two thousand and four. If you think we'd started in two thousand nineteen ninety seven, by two thousand two people were saying, "Come oh, on, what's your R bag taste like? You've been five years at it." So we started sampling our um, bag, young R bag, mm-hmm. and um, we thought, mm, "This is nice." So we said, "Well, why did not we bottle it?" So we bottled it as very young R bag, um, really to show the committee what what it was looking like. Yeah, and they absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. So. So we said, right, well, let's start the peachy path to maturity. So that same whiskey from 1998, um, every year we brought out a bottling as it got older. So it started off as a very young Arbeg, then it went still young, then almost there. <laughs> then <laughs> we've arrived, right? <laughs> so 2008, we've arrived. That was yeah. our Renaissance bottling. And uh, we, we, um, from then on, actually, that meant we had our own 10 years old, yeah, and we could start to expand our bag around the world. Who, so, who's responsible for that kind of quirkiness in our bag? It's, uh, me and a couple of others. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that's good but great. But the key point, the key point yeah. is, is that you have some fantastic, enlightened senior managers yeah. mm. who, who can see what's going on and just say, just let these guys roll with it. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. the corporate life can be very constraining. Mm-hmm. And you're not allowed to do anything without getting fifty. But <laughs> no. I, because our other. The, try and Glenmorangie is big and successful Mm -hmm. they could afford for us to Mm -hmm. play around and have some fun right and um and we've always had this idea of our bag being big and untamed Mm -hmm. and um and and express it in as bold and as as adventurous way as we can without breaking the rules of scotch Mm -hmm. so we're governed by the scotch whiskey association Mm -hmm. and they We've sailed quite close to the wind on some occasions. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what you do. You, you yeah. dare. <laughs> and uh, then you get told to, to behave. But, <laughs> but, but it, what it does is it gives people a truth about the whiskey that we're doing, but it also it gives you a fun story to, to, to connect with people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and as I say, we've, we haven't done much traditional... Promotion sense of advertising or Mm -hmm. you know big ads or anything. We just talked to the committee and Mm -hmm. the committee have told our story It's amazing. So Mm -hmm. so it's way before The word viral was actually you know, we were viraling Mm -hmm. when there wasn't hardly any internet (laughs) Um, (laughs) And we started collecting members by little um, uh, leaflets in the box and -hmm. then that got going then eventually we got going online um, and then, uh, and then the conversation still continues to this day. But I remember when Twitter arrived and Facebook and all that, and we were way ahead in terms of what you can do now. Mm-hmm. But now, of course, with all those extra tools, you can do it even more easily. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but there's also less commitment because it sounds like you've got a very committed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Know, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And we we we've actually we've had a few mistakes as well along the way I <laughs> have to admit but we we um, back in 2003 4 um, at our bottling plants in, in on the mainland um, <laughs> we um, somebody we used to own three distilleries and we still own two we've got Glenmorangie bag and we had another one called Glen Murray mm-hmm. which is up in Speyside and um Glen Murray's a fine dram but it's not quite the stature of bag. Or Glenmurgy, but we were bottling some Glen Murray and unfortunately, somebody pulled the wrong lever, and some twelve-year-old Murray got into a vat of very old bag. Oh, no. oh. And that was a that was like a thought. Oh God! And, <laughs> and <laughs> our, our bosses uh, and uh, had furious, and you know, <laughs> this guy was about to get hanged outside. <laughs> oh, hang but it, but but actually, um, Paul Nippa, our chief executive at the time, said, that "We can't. We had already had." Several insurance claims of similar mistakes, <laughs> <laughs> and, and he said oh, we can't go back to the insurance for this one. And the the value was about three hundred fifty thousand pounds. So right, Hamish, right, team, come up with come up with a, a solution. So if you think about it, it's once you mix two single malts, you can't call it or you can't call it La beg and and you and basically you're in a bit of a bind. So. So I remember I used to drive to work across the 4th Road Bridge to Edinburgh um, every day. And um, I was sitting and thinking, well, look, is an opportunity, isn't it? So (laughs) I was thinking about this as an accident. And there's a word in English called serendipity. Mm -hmm. And serendipity means making happy discoveries by accident. Mm -hmm. So we called it serendipity. Because it's a pity to waste it. <laughs> 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 That's cute. That's so very so cool. well, we, we had this wonderful label, the word serendipity, yeah. and there was a huge sort of wink because we mm-hmm. rolled back the bottom of the label. You could see the Arbeg uh, knotwork, the pattern uh. mm-hmm. underneath, just a little suggestion. <laughs> and we wrote to the committee and said, look, you know, we basically confessed, yeah, in public, yeah, mm-hmm. and and we said, look, we made a big boo boo, you know, but please forgive us, right? Yeah. And the way you forgive us is by buying a bottle, sold <laughs> 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 out straight away. Oh, I <laughs> of course bet it did. It. I bet and actually, it did. That's great. It was delicious whiskey. It was beautiful whiskey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but that that was um, that was that was so that's that's an example of our bag you know having the confidence to yeah. fess up.
2: It's having kind like a pure malt essentially. Right? Yeah. 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 It
1: was a vatted malt. Vatted malt. Yeah. 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 And um, delicious whiskey, and uh, got big scores, and <laughs> and um, and but the point is, it was. And we just joined this wonderful super group that we're now in Mo Tennessee, who owned the most beautiful champagnes in the world, and we told them this story, and they said, mm, mm-hmm. very expensive <laughs> 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 so so but they 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 love our bag too, and basically they they said, yeah, just keep doing what you're doing so um, so we've had a lovely last five, ten years of just pushing our bag out, being consistent in our story, and also introducing. DRams, which are quite small. I mean, our bag is still a small distillery, mm-hmm. so we don't have huge. You know, we can't just roll out huge tens of thousands of cases. Yeah. So our limited editions, which we introduce on a yearly basis, are, you know, f- between fifty and sixty thousand bottles, which is not a lot in comparison to the, mm-hmm. uh, the fan club as it were we've got around the world. And the yeah. key point about the fan club thing is that um, a lot of our customers, places like the Caledonian, mm-hmm. they are fans as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like a sort of fan-loving, because we're fans, yeah. and although we're corporates and we work for as serious companies making, trying to get a great profit, et cetera, yeah. we approach our BEG as fans as well. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to 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 have that sort of um, feeling of self, you know, mutual interest. Mm-hmm. So everybody works for our BEG, yeah. and um, the, and it was a classic, that space, thing was just brilliant because you know okay it's yeah. got to be our bag you know? mm-hmm. so and yeah. and that was free nobody we didn't <laughs> have to pay for it they yeah. they, they offered it and um, really, yeah. and we're we're you know and it just shows you what people do for for our bag people call their babies you know Isla or our bag or racehorses are called our bag people get married at the distillery mm-hmm. you know nice. I mean yeah. it's going to our bag's like a pilgrimage you know you know it's like the, the end of the road. If you've achieved going to our bay, your life is <laughs> complete. <laughs> so it's that, and the distillery has always been the heart of everything we've done. And we've been very fortunate in the sense that, um, you know, we've got super people at the distillery. And, uh, and um, um, we have, a, we have a, a cafe and restaurant there. And we do 25,000 covers a year. Yes. So as well as, oh. as well as a distillery, it's a place to come. And on a small island like Isla, this one where there's only three and a half thousand people, all the people who live on the island. At least once a year, and sometimes several times a month, go down to our bag to have lunch. Mm. And the reason they're doing that is they want to find out who's on the island because everybody goes to our bag for lunch. Right, <laughs> right. So they walk in, they can see exactly which tourists or visitors are on the island yeah, because yeah. Uh, they, they come to us. So, so that's 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 what we're we've been up to, and then. Um, Above Jura and this is another example of our begs big and untamed, there's, there's a fantastic whirlpool called Corrivekan, um which is the second biggest whirlpool in the world after Niagara. At the <laughs> bottom of the Niagara Falls is a huge one. Yeah. But Corrievrecken is a is a is a whirlpool which where the tides meet and um, there's a spike of rock which sticks up from the, the surface of the from the floor of the sea. And that creates a huge eddy, and that's an enormous whirlpool. And if you go up there in a rigid inflatable boat with 150 horsepower engine, you are really bumped around inside it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, from about a mile away, you can see the water, the spray, and the water rises above the, the level of the sea. So you're like going into a cauldron. And so what's bigger and more untamed than that? So we 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 developed a whisky called Corryvreckan, which was, and which is now the third expression in our range and that is that is a fantastic big powerful whisky mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so you've got 10 years old beautiful, balanced, lovely smokiness, seaweed brindiness. then you've got ugadal which is this um, maturation in sherry casks and, and bourbon barrels and then you've got Corrie Vrecken, um which is Strong at 57.1% alcohol. It's big, big mm-hmm. whiskey. Mm-hmm. And that's got a lovely sort of peppery, cayenne pepper, big, big fruitiness as well. And each of them has a slightly different style of maturation. Mm-hmm. And that's how you, you, you create, create difference out of the same distillery. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. today we've got 10 years old Ugadal and Cori Vrecken. Ugadal is named after the loch where we get the water from the distillery. So up in the hills above the distillery is this big loch, about a thousand feet up, called Loch Ugadal. And Ugadal in Gaelic means dark place. And um, the water flows down the hill into another loch called Arenanbeist, mm-hmm. which was also another which expression we had at one point, uh, limited expression. And then from there, from Arenanbeist into the distillery. And Ugedal, we introduced, we, we, we introduced, was 10 years old in 2000, using some stock from the previous owners and then Ugadal arrived in 2003 and um, <clears throat> it Ugadal um, is basically a fantastic um, vatting of our bag matured and sherry casks ex Olorosa sherry casks and also some bourbon and our traditional bourbon casks and at 54% it is beautiful mm, it's, nice. yeah. it's it's rich mm-hmm. it's it's like a sort of sultanas and dates um, sort of power, and it's got this lovely sort of bonfire in the woods thing to it mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's just it's still heavily peated, like the ten years old, but just beautiful. And then you've got Corey Bracken, and that for me, mm-hmm. I think my job is complete. I've given the world <laughs> three expressions of our beg which they can carry on with. <laughs> the singer's getting sore.